Matthew chapter 26. And uh, before we get into our reading of the scripture here tonight, uh, Brother Barry, could I ask you to be so kind and uh, just pray for, for our message tonight, brother? Thank you. Our everlasting Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here in your house. God, you've been here for many years now, and you've worked wonders. We thank you, God in heaven, for your son, Jesus, mm. who gave us the greatest gift ever, Lord, by giving his life. And that gift is ready for anyone, Lord, to take. It's just sitting here. And we thank you for the blood that he spilled. We thank you for his body that was rocked with pain, Lord. And if we sit and think about it for just a few minutes, we will understand, beyond a shadow of doubt, that we have a gift, and it's in our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. I pray you'll be with each one of us as we listen and hear what your words are. I pray you'll be with us through the rest of the night too, Lord. Through Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 20, please. You know, I was thinking we were singing um, the old rugged cross, and, you know, there is really uh, a... A strange kind of uh, beauty in that, you know, cruel instrument of torture and, and death and bloodshed. And the beauty of it, it really is uh, twofold. The one is the beauty of God's love for us that we're so undeserving of, amen. But then it also, it, its beauty is in a stark reminder of the price, the terrib terrible cost of my sin that Christ paid for me and I believe that is um, uh, the reason why the Lord gave us the Lord's Supper, the communion, as a a um, object lesson, if you will, of, of a, a physical reminder of His sacrifice for us. How His body was was broken, not just physically, but also spiritually crushed under the agony and burden of my guilt and sin and how his precious sinless blood was spilled so that you and I could be washed clean, spiritually speaking. Amen? And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's some uh, religions that, that have a, um, a peculiar fascination with the, uh, you know, the symbol of the cross or the crucifix, as they call it, and, you know, they somehow feel there's some special powers in that, which... Of course, we don't find in the Bible. Uh, you know, we, you may not be able to see it, but we, we do have a cross in the front of our pulpit here. We used to have one in the back, and now we have the banner. But, but folks, the fact of the matter is, um, not, the, not a physical cross itself has any special power, but the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ does. Amen? And our faith in that is what, 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 what applies that power of the cross to us. And, and folks, the, it's important that we recognize the cross is empty. Did you know that? We do not believe in a cross where the Savior is still hanging on. <laughs> he died. Those nails pierced his hand and his feet, and he cried out, it is finished. And so we don't keep sacrificing him over and over again. No, no, no. He died. He was buried. But guess what? He rose again back to life three days later. Amen. And so now we worship a risen Savior that not is crucified, but was crucified, amen? 
and we praise the Lord for that. But just a, a, a few short hours before those moments that when he cried out on the cross, it is finished, the Lord was gathering together here in Matthew chapter 26 to uh, celebrate one last time the Passover meal uh, together. And that's, of course, where we find him then instituting from that Passover meal a new object lesson, a new remembrance meal, uh, but this time not about uh, the rescue from slavery in Egypt, but this time about the rescue from the slavery of sin, amen, through his broken body and his shed blood. We're going to read there Matthew 26, verse 20, please. Now, when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it high? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. Now, I find this interesting here because we see this happening here right before he then introduces the Lord's Supper communion meal as a meal of remembrance. And we find though that first, he puts the disciple in the position of asking themselves, Lord, is it I? Am I the one betraying you, Lord? Lord, is it I? And that happens before they then commence the Lord's Supper. One of the most tragic facts of history is that Jesus Christ was betrayed and denied by his own disciples. You know, we like to put blame upon the uh, uh, Pharisees and the Jewish leadership. We like to put blame upon the cruel Romans. But folks, the fact that it matters, it was his own friends who betrayed him. So I think here we, we see here illustrated how uh, before the Lord's Supper, we see this, this call of soul-searching, of self-examination. Because you and I, we too, in a sense, are capable of denying and betraying the Lord that died for us, aren't we? So that's why I want to talk for a few moments tonight first about the self-examination of the Lord's Supper and what it teaches us. You know, when we um, celebrate or remember the Lord's Supper, we see how it really brings us in this uh, in a very close, a very deep uh, spiritual fellowship or union with the Lord and where we uh, remember his suffering and, and his death for us. And we, we see that uh, visibly uh, uh, illustrated, more eloquent than you know, any of my feeble words ever could. This was the Lord's idea. And he told us to keep doing that. What a genius concept, amen. And um, also that we wouldn't forget. And um, we see how the bread is broken uh, and then, then parted and given to each of the disciples. We see how the fruit of the wine illustrates the red blood of the Lord, the sinless blood 
that pays for our forgiveness of sins. By the way, the word wine is never used in connection with the Lord's Supper, at least not in the King James Bible. Um, it's, it talks about the fruit of the wine, amen, grape juice, uh, just as a side note there. But notice the Lord's statement here in, um, in verse 21. Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Verily means uh, for sure, in truth. So they examine themselves. Lord, is it I? And each of them is asking themselves that before they have the Lord's Supper. Folks, I believe you and I need to ask ourselves before, every time before we have the Lord's Supper as well, Lord, is it I? Father, is there any area of my life that I'm betraying or denying you, where I'm living not as a child of God, but as a child of sin and of uh, uh, the world that is under the influence of the devil? You know, when we look at the betrayal of the Lord and, and how the Lord is calling that out beforehand already among his close companions there, it reminded me of a story I read about uh, Philip, the Duke of Austria, a number of years ago, um, who paid the ambassador of Charles V back when they were having kings and all that. And uh, he had found out that that ambassador had betrayed him. And so he paid him in a counterfeit coin. <laughs> and so when the ambassador found it out and obviously complained about it, he, he replied that false coin is good enough for a deceitful fellow. The Lord points out, one of you will betray me. And I find it very interesting here, the sign that he, he gives how to identify who will be that betrays him. He talks there about he that dippeth his hand in the dish in verse 23 of Matthew 26. He that dippeth his hand in the dish. When we look at the Passover meal that God instructed the Jewish people to remember, we see how in uh, Exodus chapter 12, it was described as a, um, a remembrance of God's deliverance from them, how he saved them from slavery. Uh, we see, of course, how uh, the, uh, the blood of the lamb that was, that was sacrificed um, at the, the Passover was to be uh, uh, spread upon the doorposts, right? and how then uh, the plague of death that fell upon those who did not have the blood applied uh, passed over the uh, people of Israel. They were saved from wrath and judgment because of the blood applied to their lives and because of God's great mercy. And that's what the Passover remembered. And so there in Exodus chapter 12, I want to read in verse 8 where I believe we see uh, the, the dish that is being referenced there in Matthew chapter 26. Verse 
Exodus chapter 12 and verse 8. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, in unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. And so instead of, uh, you know, a nice savory, uh, uh, um, nice flavored meat, God told him to dip the meat in bitter herbs. And of course, that was to symbolize Israel's bitter existence under Pharaoh's oppressive rule, which, of course, today in the New Testament, we, we see as a picture of the bondage of sin that we once were under. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 14, we read that they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service when they made them serve was with rigor. Folks, the fact of the matter is the slavery of sin will always take more than you ever wanted to give, will always keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and always drag you further down than you ever thought you would go. That's what slavery does. It takes the control away from you. And, and well, uh, it, it really wants to keep us from being controlled by the Lord. Um, and that's really where we've all been at one point. Before we were saved, we are the slaves of sin. Um, we read in, uh, uh, in Colossians chapter 1, excuse me, find my place there Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21 how we were once separated before we were saved from God Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 <clears throat> and you that were sometime alienated I mean straight estranged we were foreigners and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, it now hath he reconciled. And the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And so it is the sacrifice of Christ's body on the cross that may now uh, uh, sets us uh, free from being enemies of God one, at one point in our sinful condition, and now we're reconciled. We're, we've been forgiven. We're being restored back into fellowship with our Father in heaven. And now, through Christ's righteousness, Jesus looks at you and at you, and he says, blameless. I don't see any sin there. Praise the Lord, amen, positionally speaking. We're now not a slave of sin anymore. We're now a son and a daughter and a servant of Jesus Christ. Romans 6 verse 18 says, Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. The Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2 warns us that of whom a man is overcome, of the same he's brought into bondage. And so, even though we've been set free, folks, we're now a child of God and not a slave of the devil anymore, you and I can run danger of voluntarily, foolishly, just as you and I do every day, unfortunately, yield ourselves back into that old slavery and allow ourselves to be put back into that bondage. 
by uh, allowing sin to have dominion in our life, to get control again. Folks, as an unsafe person, we can't help it, as the saying goes. Sin is our nature. But not as a new creature in Christ any longer. Now we're created unto righteousness. And every time we go back to the slavery of sin, every time we go back to behave not as a beloved child of God, but as an enemy of God that we really aren't anymore, and with that, we are uh, uh, denying and betraying the Lord that hath bought us and loves us. We are uh, uh, really allowing ourselves to go back into bondage. Notice in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Listen, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We're set free not to now do whatever I want. Oh, we live under grace, the liberty in Christ, hallelujah. Yeah, we are free. We do have liberty in Christ, but not to do whatever I please. No, the liberty in Christ, God's grace and forgiveness is to enable me now to serve him and yield myself in right to, to, to obey him and to live a righteous, holy life for his glory. Not to go back to serve sin anymore. That's really betraying my, uh, uh, my, my, my identity in Christ in that sense. That is doing dishonor and disservice to the Lord who loves me and gave himself for me. Romans 6, verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion, that's control, sin shall not have dominion over you. So when we think about the, um, the disciple that would portray the Lord being revealed through dipping his hand uh, in, in the dish, or as John chapter 13 uh, further explains, that, that it was a, a sop or a piece of bread that they would dip into, into that thick gravy, so to speak, that they made out of the bitter herbs. Um, that is really a very interesting way for God to reveal the one who betrays him. Because, you see, they, they uh, 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 in, in, in ancient um, Judea, in, in the times of Jesus Christ, they would usually lay at the table. That was the, the Roman and Greek custom. And, um, uh, and so they, they couldn't all, you know, serve out of one dish. You know, we have a lot of cultures where that's still customary today. Uh, and so <clears throat> they, though, had to have several dishes throughout the, the whole length of the, the banquet or the table sort of a thing. And so what this means is that Judas, the one who would portray him, seeing that he could dip his piece of unleavened bread in the same dish that Jesus would dip his in, that meant that he was sitting either very close to the Lord or on the opposite side of the table to the Lord. Judas said, close to the presence of the Lord, and yet it was he who would betray him from among his own friends, his own trusted and loved companions. One would turn and betray the Lord that loves him. Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? What an important 
thing to stop before we go into the Lord's Supper part and say, hold on here, hold on here. Why is there this contemplation? Why is there that meditation, that, that self-examining, Lord, is it I? We don't know the exact um, constellation of those bitter herbs. I couldn't find that given to, to us anywhere in the Bible. It is said to have been, uh, you know, herbs uh, usually mixed with, with vinegar uh, of some kind. Um, some of the... Uh, Uh, some of the herbs that would have been very commonly used in uh, Egypt there when they had the Passover the first time uh, would be uh, green herbs such as wild lettuce, watercress, endive, chicory, cumin, and dandelion. Um, these days uh, at the um, Passover in the uh, Judean religion, oftentimes they would use uh, horseradish and leather. But the fact of the matter is it was unpleasant. It was not a very tasty dip. And of course, that reminds us of the bitterness of sin and slavery. And also of the bitterness of the price that would need to be paid for it. Folks, everything in the Passover, just like Christ took the, that symbolism and transferred it really to the Lord's sacrifice in the New Testament. All the symbolism in the Passover pointed toward Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb that would be slain for our sins. Amen? And so that's where in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Lord says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you're unleavened. Leaven was a symbolism for defilement, for impurity and sin. And he says, hey, before we partake in this, this, this celebration, this fellowship and meal with the Lord, before we, we symbolize the uh, sacrifice that the Lord did for us, let's make sure we get pure first. Purge out the leaven. As you're unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, referring to sin, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. As we turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we see, I believe, the practical application of that. And of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is a very familiar Bible passage in regards to the Lord's Supper. And we want to begin reading there in verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. So that's the meaning. That's the purpose of the Lord's Supper. We don't partake of the Lord's Supper in order to get saved. We better are saved already. Amen. Um, we, uh, we uh, don't take the Lord's Supper in order to get some kind of uh, um, physical benefit out of it. Uh, no, the Lord's Supper is what? It's a symbolism which shows forth the Lord's death. And we're supposed to continue do, to do that on a regular basis, basis until the Lord comes back for us. Notice verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily 
shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Say, whoa, I don't want to, you know, act like an enemy of God. I don't want to act like those who, who belong among those who crucified the Lord, who nailed him to that tree, who cried out, crucify him, away with him. I don't want to associate with those. I don't want to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. No, I want to be unleavened. I want to purify it. I want to first examine myself, as the next verse says, and make sure I'm all cleaned up before the Lord before I remember that uh, sacrifice for me that made it possible for me to be reconciled, to be cleansed and forgiven to begin with. Many times I've met very sincere, earnest Christians who would read this passage of Scripture and say, well, I better not be partaking of the Lord's Supper. That's way too scary, man, because I will never feel worthy of, of that, that privilege. And, and you know what? You're right. None of us would ever be even remotely worthy to fellowship with the Lord and, and, and to be, uh, be partakers of His perfect sinless sacrifice for us. It'd be ridiculous to think we'd be worthy. But folks, that's not what it's talking about. Anyone who's ever partaken of the Lord's Supper is unworthy. Because we're just sinners saved by grace, amen? He's describing here an adverb, the manner in which we partake in the Lord's Supper. Unworthily. And so, in other words, we ought to be uh, very um, cautious, very considerate of the way that we remember the Lord's death. For us, that we don't do that flippantly, we don't do that lightly with, without uh, um, due consideration beforehand, without coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, is it I? Lord, is, is there parts of my life where I'm betraying you or denying you? So that's where we get into verse 28 then of 1 Corinthians 11. But let a man examine himself. The word examine means to test to put to the proof, so to speak, amen, to line my life up to the precious Word of God. And see, how does it line up? Now notice, it's not the pastor going around and going to checklist, all right, you, you tithe this week, you prayed every day, you read your Bible chapters. Oh, oh, you missed one service this week. Nah, not for you. Do better next month. <laughs> no, we're not doing that, all right? It's not the pastor going around examining, testing people. Um, it is not my brother or sister in the church. Like, oh, they better not be. No, it's let a man examine himself. Amen? It's between you and the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And then notice, then it goes on to give a commandment. Once we've done that self-testing, that self-checking, that consideration before the Lord, then, without hesitation, so let him eat of that bread. And drink of that cup. First get right. Confess any known sins to the Lord. Amen. You don't have to worry about any unknown sins. When you come before the Lord humbly and you ask him, Lord, say anything in my life that I need to confess. Lord, show me what I need to get right. And uh, you only have to worry about those things that the Lord brings to your mind. Um, so let a man examine himself. And then so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, again, that means in an irreverent, uh, undue manner, unworthily eateth and drinketh a damnation to himself, not discerning 
the Lord's body. Now, this is not saying that you can lose your salvation, all right? Damnation means the effects of a crime, in other words, there's consequences for it. Uh, the, the, um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Um, so God in his love will correct us. He will discipline and correct us. Because he wants us to be right with him. Amen. That's the whole point of his correction. Uh, and it says not discerning the Lord's body. It means we, we don't separate it. We don't distinguish it. We don't make a difference uh, from, you know, all the other meals. We, um, we, 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 uh, we are not different than the enemies of the Lord who crucified him. That is what it's referring to there when we're failing to discerning the Lord's body. And so then he goes on to explain uh, what chastisement this uh, would include. Verse 30, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Some, they wouldn't listen, and the Lord had to take them home. But notice, for if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If we're willing to first examine ourselves through the help of the Lord and get right, then there's nothing we have to worry about. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate. Let's remember Christ's death for us. And, and, and let's thank Him for it. Amen. That my soul can be clean, whiter than snow. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Amen. Not because I've lived a perfect life this week. Even though we ought to live right. We ought to live holy for sure. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Nay, God forbid. Amen. But at the same time, God also knows we're but dust. He knows that we fail every day, every week. He knows that any time we come before the Lord's table, there will be things that we first need to want to clean out and confess. See, sin is not a joke. It costs the Lord's life. Amen? But so many times, we lie to ourselves. Instead of examining ourselves honestly in, in, in the light of the truth of Scripture, in, in front of the mirror of God's Word, so to speak, uh, and, and from the way that God sees us, not, not the way other people see us, not the way I want to perceive myself, but the way the Lord sees my life, amen? And we lie to ourselves. Oh, I know when to stop. I can stop any time if I just wanted to. Well, why don't, we, don't you want to, amen? Um... Oh, oh, I, I, can, I can go so far and I'll, I'll be okay. It won't harm me. So many have said that and ended up ruined by their sin, folks. It is not right to say, well, this is just natural to me. You know, I, I just have these inclinations, these tastes, these desires. This is just, you know, who I am. And, and I, just, I just can't help but yield to that. That's a lie, too. You're not set free. You're not under the slavery of sin anymore. The Lord's power is available to you for victory by yielding to Him. Amy Claren writes, It is perfectly natural for a man to stoop down over the edge of a precipice to gather the flowers that are growing in some cranny in the cliff. But it is also natural for him then to topple over and be smashed to a mummy at the bottom. So just because it's natural doesn't make it good or right. See, God gave you your dispositions and your whole nature under lock and key. 
keep them so. Amen. Or it's God can give us self-restraint, self-discipline through his power. We don't have to sin. And when we do, we ought to be quick to want to get clean again. Amen. Charles Spurgeon writes, one Christian, one Christian, one Christian who betrays his Lord in words or actions is far more frequently the theme of the world's talk than the thousands of good men and women who are true to the Lord and adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. And isn't that of a true amen? The news is full of great scandals within churches and, and terrible abuse and awful sinners. You never hear about the thousands of good, godly, humbly, humble Christians who serve the Lord the best they can. In closing, I want to go to um, a couple of verses of Scripture in the book of Psalm. Let's turn to... Um, Psalm 86, verse 4. Psalm 86, verse 4, please. Where we see the Lord's heart towards your sin and my sin, folks. And I'm so thankful for that. Psalm 86, verse 4. Rejoice, the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good. And ready to forgive and plenteous and mercy unto all them that call upon thee. God has yet to ever turn down a sinner who is willing to humbly repent and ask Christ for forgiveness. God has yet to ever turn away a Christian, one of his children, that would have wanted to get right with them, folks. He's eager, he's quick. He's anxious. He's ready to forgive you. He's plenteous in mercy. In Psalm 130, we read about King David. Now, King David loved the Lord. He's a seed psalmist of Israel. Uh, uh, the Lord gave him the, the testimony that, that he, had a, uh, uh, um, that he wa was after the Lord's heart. And yet, he committed adultery. He lusted after another woman, and he sinned against the Lord. And folks, at the same time also, he found God's grace and forgiveness as he came to the Lord in repentance. If you ever struggle to find the words on how to get right with the Lord, read Psalm 51 to the Lord and pray that. I've done this countless times, and I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit giving us this prayer of repentance through David. And so David knew and had experienced God's Awesome forgiveness of the deepest, darkest, vilest of sins. And he says there in Psalm 130, verse 3, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquity, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord that you and I, all of us, can get fully right, right now, right here, tonight. As in a moment, we'll take some time of meditation, of, of self, <clears throat> excuse me, of self-examination. Just as the Lord afforded to his disciples before they partook the Lord's Supper. First John 1 verse 9, one of our most favorite Bible verses. Every Christian ought to know that. If we confess our sins, he 
is faithful and just. Aren't you glad that he is faithful and just even when I'm not? Amen. That's no excuse. But it is a wonderful, powerful truth that keeps me going in the Christian life. He is faithful and just to forgive us, forgive me my sin, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I believe tonight, especially, we ought to come to the Lord, such as the psalmist did in Psalm 139, and I want to close with that. Again, a psalm of David, Psalm 139. If anyone knew the Lord's forgiveness, the Lord's patience and grace, it was Moses, who so many times <clears throat> had to bring these stubborn and rebellious and unbelieving people of Israel to the Lord. Would have been Moses who blew it, who, who um, blew his temper, and yet the Lord forgave him. It would have been people like David, who committed immorality and gross sin. And what about people like Peter, who denied the Lord three times, just to look up right into the eyes of the Lord as he's being led out to the slaughter for that very sin Peter just committed. Aren't you thankful tonight for the broken body and the shed blood? Amen. Amen. Psalm 139, in verse 1, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known my heart, that knows my down sitting and my uprising, that understand it's my thought afar off. Do you know the Lord knows what you're thinking long before you ever think it? <laughs> thou compassest, that means surround, thou compassest my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For the, there's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. The Lord knows everything about you already anyways. Might as well get right with it. Amen. There's no point in hiding or running from him. He's eager to forgive. He's waiting for you to come back. Notice in verse 23 as we close. Psalm 139 verse 23. And this ought to be our prayer tonight. Search me, O God. And know my heart and try it. I mean, test. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Help me to get right. As we bow our heads in prayer tonight, as we go before the Lord, only you and the Lord know how your relationship is at with the Savior. And I trust that you're saved tonight. I trust that you're in the place and position to qualify to partake in the Lord's Supper. We won't have any music for invitation as we just get quiet before the Lord. And we ask him tonight, Lord, is it I? Have I betrayed thee? Examine yourself. And then do eat. And do take of the cup in remembrance of the Lord. With a thankful, forgiven, and cleansed heart.
feel like some more time in prayer. Could you just lift your hand, please, and let me know. We'll be happy to take some more time. Let's uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper. I'd like to have Esther come up if she could play, please. And I also like to ask Brother Barry if uh, he could come up, please, and um, uh, pray for uh, our bread this evening, please. the sacrifice you gave and allowing your son to die on the cross and the fact that Jesus went to the cross willingly, gave his life and shed blood and his body was broken, Lord. God in heaven, we thank you so much for loving us that much to allow your son to go to the cross. And Jesus, thank you for all that you've done. And we can't fully imagine what you did go through, but we should be able to contemplate the fact that, Lord, you had a broken body and were in so much pain. And we thank you for doing that for us, Lord. We thank you through our Lord Jesus. Amen.
Once again, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, for the scripture says, I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. To us, uh, Brother Adlin, if uh, he could come up, please, and uh, pray for our grape juice at this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us, and we are gathered here together to have your body as a bread and blood as a grape juice here, Jesus. We request you to come and come and be in the midst of here and forgive all our sins mm-hmm. and accept our, uh, our, our heart, Jesus. And when, while we take this uh, grape juice, be with us and Bless us and bless bless us, great Joseph Jesus, in Jesus' name, Amen.
1 Corinthians 11, verse 25, the scripture goes on to say, After the same manner also he took the cup when he had subbed, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. so kind to uh, bring the cup later just up front here. We want to um, close by singing a hymn together. And so let's grab our hymnal at this time, please. And uh, maybe there's a, a favorite salvation song that uh, you have in your heart this evening and you'd like to uh, sing that together. Uh, any favorite song that, uh, that you have? And uh, we'll close out with that. I know if that's in here. Oh, we have another one. Yes. Oh, okay. Three eight nine. Oh, okay. Three eight nine. Jesus never fails. Three eighty nine. Yeah, three eight nine. All right, sure. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not sure who was first, Kay or uh, Linda. <laughs> all right. Are you okay when you take Linda's? All right, okay, wonderful. Uh, let's all stand, please. Number 389, Jesus never fails. Aren't you glad that he never fails to forgive you? He never fails to, in mercy, correct us and love us back to him. He, his blood never fails to forgive us, and your salvation can never be lost because Jesus never fails, amen? And number three, eight, nine. Thank you. 
Note tonight. God bless.